Hello, I'm Peter Robinson, a fellow here at the Hoover Institution, a think tank at Stanford University. I'm also the host of Uncommon Knowledge. Why, you might ask, is a think tank involved in putting on a television program? For that matter, you might ask, what is a think tank? A think tank, as the name implies, is a place where people are paid to think. In the case of the Hoover Institution, to think about public policy. The people who work here and those who visit us are experts, specialists in public policy, foreign and domestic. They're Democrats, Republicans, Independents, but all share an abiding interest in the ideas that shape the way our country is governed and the way we Americans live our lives. Now, about this TV show. When I arrived a few years ago from Washington, D.C., I could see that the conversations that take place at the Hoover Institution, conversations at lunch and dinner, over afternoon coffee, even in the stairwells and hallways, are different from the ones we're all used to seeing on so many public affairs TV shows. These conversations put ideas first, politics second. We thought it would be a good idea to let you in on some of these conversations. About the program's title, when we started work on this series, we called it Reliable Sources. We don't call it that anymore. It's not that Reliable Sources was a bad name, just the reverse. It was such a good name that another TV show was already using it. Now we call our program Uncommon Knowledge. We hope you find it uncommonly entertaining and uncommonly informative. Today's program, The War on Drugs. There are two guests. Edwin Meese served as Attorney General of the United States under President Reagan. Joseph McNamara spent 35 years as a cop, starting on the beat in New York City and ending as San Jose Chief of Police. Ed Meese wants to win the war on drugs. Joe McNamara wants to end it. Our conversation took place at a local restaurant called MacArthur Park. When a conversation gets heated, it helps to have a cup of coffee. Well, I don't like to use the word war on drugs because I think it's a misleading phrase it makes it sound that it's something that can be won in a relatively short period of time and that you can have a decisive victory. And also the term war uh, connotes an all-out effort by society as we had wars uh, in uh, World War II or something like that. Uh, I think of it as a long-term thing and, uh, and, it, and the crusade against drugs really has to be re-inaugurated with each generation of kids that come along. Uh, but as far as the statistics, we had from uh, 1980 to 1990, 19, uh, say between 80 and, 80 and 92, in a, about a 10 to 12 year period, right. we actually had a 50% reduction in drug use in the United States by every indicator that has uh, been used, every study. So Joe McNamara, doesn't that suggest the war <coughs> or crusade can well, be won? Uh, let me say no one in local law enforcement agrees with the statement that Ed just made about a decrease in drug use, and many people who study uh, these uh, empirical statements very closely disagree with that. We did have a decrease in some uh, polls of middle-class drug use during those years which uh, we attribute more to public education than to anything that the criminal justice system was doing. However, I want to get back to a point that I think is very important. When Ed says that he's against the war on drugs, uh, yet a couple of sentences later, he mentioned that we must renew the crusade against drugs. Now, crusade is a holy war, and one of the reasons we have trouble examining this policy is that the people who lobbied it for it around the turn of the century for the Harrison Act and for criminalizing drugs 
were religious groups. The police were silent on drugs. It did not come from complaints of the social conditions of drug use or anything like that. The Protestant missionary societies in China, the Women's Christian Temperance Union, the Anti-Saloon League, and other religious groups, it's quite clear from the congressional record, they got their version of sin put into the penal code, which sticks with us so many years later that we talk about drug users as immoral. We stereotype them as demons and dehumanize them as criminals, when in fact, we should be looking at this the way we look at any other social problem. It is a problem, and, and Ed and I would certainly be in agreement that we should discourage experimentation with a lot of dangerous drugs. But the fact is, by making the mistake of viewing this as a holy war, as a crusade, we've had one president after the other falsely promise the American public that they were going to win this war on drugs. And there are many, many penalties that come from characterizing it as a war. American police officers are peace officers. There is no enemy for them to destroy. And as soon as they start thinking that any segment of the population is an enemy, we're going to get the kind of police behavior we saw in the Rodney King tapes. We're going to get the kind of behavior that uh, we see every month where police officers have been convicted of perjury and of falsifying evidence, all because the politicians are telling them, look, we've got to do something about this evil, this terrible problem. The sums of money involved in the drug trade are gigantic. Haven't we seen a, 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 a corruption of some police officials, uh, a brutalization of the relationship between cops and the public? Isn't that a price we've had to pay? Well, certainly uh, there's a lot of money involved, uh, but the question is, I view it as a problem. The cost to society of drugs are tremendous in terms of accidents, lost productivity, and all the rest. Now, uh, Joe says that uh, he disagrees with the statistics. Every study. Uh, and including most law enforcement people would agree that there has been that there was a reduction in drug use uh, during the 1980s. In the early 1980s, we had a, for the first time we had a comprehensive national strategy against drugs. And one of the big factors in that was not just law enforcement because we'd always had law enforcement was bringing in the education, bringing in the the uh, prevention aspects of it, bringing in a greater treatment and greater rehabilitation, and also greater research. This was part of President Reagan's comprehensive strategy. Now, I don't know about what presidents you're talking about, but President Reagan never promised that we would end drug use. But what he did say, we would like to make substantial inroads, and particularly, we would like to have an alternative uh, to just law enforcement. And that was where the whole prevention and education attitude came in. Uh, we had national leadership during that period of time, and Joe, no matter what you say, it's hard to find any expert in the field who doesn't agree there was a considerable reduction in drug use by mainstream Americans during that period of time. Ed is simply incorrect on, on this figure. We, around the turn of the century before the Harrison Act, had a real problem of addiction in America. It's not new, and these were middle-class housewives who were addicted to opiates. They would pay a dollar a bottle for nerve medicine and uh, no one got excited. These people weren't robbing banks and they weren't viewed as criminal underclass. And that was cured in uh, 1906 when the Pure Food and Drug Act began labeling and began controlling uh, the product and alerted the medical profession. It was an educational civil law. So those are the years when Coca-Cola had cocaine. And where we made the mistake with the Harrison Act was in criminalizing it. Before the Harrison Act, 
We didn't have the violence. We didn't have the billion-dollar black market. We didn't have this enormous corruption of law enforcement, of governments throughout the world. And we didn't have anything like the number of drug addicts that we have now since the government has declared so, war. But you're oh, come on now, Joe. You don't honestly believe that because <clears throat> something was made illegal, that increased the number it of people using it. Oh, it no, absolutely you're, you're did. It absolutely did. absolutely wrong. It Joe? increased the profit. No. That without oh, okay. the illegality, oh, okay. we wouldn't have this enormous driving force. Well, the reason, minute, let me just say one thing. Right. You asked me a question. I'd like to yeah. answer it. Uh, the reason the government cannot stop the drug trade is that about $500 worth of cocaine or heroin in Mexico, Bolivia, Peru, a source country, will bring $100,000 on the streets of an American city because it's illegal. All the cops and armies and prisons in the world will not sure. stop something with that market incentive. Okay. We didn't have that driving market force before the Harrison Act. We now have it. Joe, you've got to admit that the <coughs> amount of drug use in this country uh, was much less before the 60s and that while there was obviously drug use, it was not as, as prevalent. Most people who <coughs> were working did not use drugs. Most people who were in, in high schools <coughs> did not use drugs. This came about in from the 60s on. Now, that doesn't mean there wasn't drug abuse before that. There certainly was, but it was not nearly of, as prevalent as it became in the 60s. The, there's no and doubt the 60s uh, yeah. was the birth of a drug sure. culture. Right. Overwhelmingly, the people who used drugs in the 60s did not go out and become heroin addicts or no. bank robbers or anything. The majority of cops I hired as police chief had experimented with marijuana or other drugs. Now, thank God they didn't get arrested because we would have lost some good cops. And that's one of the big costs of criminalizing this kind of behavior. President Clinton has used drugs. Speaker Gingrich has used drugs. Uh, an awful lot of people have it's used drugs. Should we, uh, should we uh, lock these people up and give them a well, criminal record? What is talk, the cost of that? Let's talk for a second about this profit margin. The point that Joe raised that Locking people up? Uh, let's try to figure out what happens if drugs are made legal. In order to come up with a thousand bucks in cash, the addict has to steal five thousand dollars worth of jewels, cars, other loot, whatever, every week to support his habit. You legalize drugs, and instead of spending, needing to come up with a thousand dollars a week to support his habit, this guy has to come up with twenty dollars a week, and he can get that money out of the <laughs> well, uh, coin slots and pay phones. Well, Peter, uh, that brings a whole new element into it, and that is how do you legalize drugs? Joe, are you in favor of legalizing drugs? I'm, I'm in favor of legalizing marijuana uh, immediately. Really? Um, t you, you wanted okay, to, yeah, you always yeah, say, the, you, I, I don't say what I'm for. I want to tell you very, very uh, bluntly what I'm for, and then I want to ask if you know what you're for. Because I would say, uh, looking at a great deal of medical evidence, there's nothing conclusive about the danger of marijuana. I don't advocate people using any of this stuff. However, it's almost certain that most uh, medical people would say that marijuana is far less dangerous than alcohol or than uh, smoking oh, no. tobacco. No. And we don't dare criminalize those, uh, those drugs because we <coughs> recognize there's another value called freedom. Let's stop on marijuana. Right. You're in favor right. of legalizing marijuana today. The other thing I would say is let's stop arresting people whose only crime is the use of these drugs. We're talking the about... The users. The users, right. right. We're talking about living in a free society where we respect our citizens to be mature enough to 
vote and elect the government and to do all other things, we shouldn't start putting people in jail because they're not living the life that we think they should. Because we could equally say if they eat too much cholesterol, we'll put them in jail. Or they smoke too much uh, well, nicotine, we'll put them in jail. Or if they don't going. exercise properly, we'll put them in jail. Okay. They're not living this healthy American life so that we have favor, a vision of. You've got two proposals immediately. Yeah. Legalize marijuana today and legalize the use of drugs today. Ed? You're in favor of legalizing the use of drugs. I'm saying decriminalize. Decriminalize. Oh, decriminalize. Educate okay. people. Okay. Look, this okay. is bad for your health. Uh, selling try to selling do it. cocaine no. is still going to be illegal, but using right. it will be yes. legal. Okay, Ed? Well, well, this is very interesting to have Joe take this position because he's at odds with all the rest of the police chiefs in the That's country. That's not true. Yes, it is, Joe. The, a survey was just taken of police chiefs. Uh, by the by, police foundation. By the I'm police foundation and uh, that survey, and 90% <coughs> of the police chiefs in the country and 94% of the large city police chiefs said that to decriminalize drugs would be a step in the wrong direction. And the reason is they know that drugs are dangerous. They know that drugs are not a good thing in our society. Now, our society, uh, drugs have never been accepted as a legitimate part of society. Uh, as a matter of fact, those places that have decriminalized, uh, we've had de facto decriminalization of marijuana during much of the 60s and early 70s. We had actual decriminalization of marijuana in some states and in general, Alaska, for uh, Alaska and they have gone the other way on the thing. They've recriminalized it. They've recriminalized it, it and, and what, you've, what you've found is that these are really dangerous substances. The idea that there's no medical danger to marijuana is simply not true. A marijuana cigarette is four <coughs> times more toxic than is an ordinary Philip Morris or Paul Mall or anything like that. But compared to uh, booze, alcohol. Now, and, and also, in, in terms of alcohol, uh, marijuana is also more dangerous than alcohol. One of the things about narcotics, about drugs, is that you have, uh, whereas with alcohol, approximately 10% of the people who use alcohol become alcoholics, in other right. words, become addicted, addicted to it. Whereas with drugs, with the narcotics uh, and drugs that are now illicit, uh, the, the addiction rate is somewhere between 40 to 60 percent, depending on the drug. We have some factual disagreements here, yeah. but I wanted to say one thing about the study that Ed cites. The police chiefs are overwhelmingly opposed to going on as we are now in the drug war and are calling for a much greater emphasis on education as and am, prevention. As I am, and I've always, uh, and, I've always and, and yet, emphasized yet that. Yet the President of the United States and the Congress of the United States refuses to even study this issue. The reason they do is it's so attractive for a politician to say that they're tough on drugs and crime and they say we will not even study this subject even though law enforcement is saying you must study it you must find alternatives because what we're doing is not working now this is the latest uh, what about education and prevention ed thinks it worked during the reagan years anyway during the Reagan years, you were there. Right. You did a couple of things. You engaged the war. You increased the warlike aspect of the crusade, if that's what you want to call, with funding to cops and so forth. But there was also no, no, an educational no. effort. It was, the, it was the education, just, and, and right. so you think that was more. To oh sure, <coughs> sure. So the taking the market away. We always said that that taking the market away was the most important thing you could do as far as dealing with the drug problem. And, and that was one of the major emphases that we had in the 1980s that hadn't been okay. there so before. So here we have an area of total agreement. Yeah. You're both in favor of beefed up educational and prevention and prevention right. programs. Right. So that's, the difficulty is that right? with educational um, programs is that the government has no credibility because, in fact, they're saying a lot of crazy things about marijuana, about the other drugs, and, and, and so on. Most uh, of the experts that I've read say that if there was a decrease and, and local police chiefs flatly denied there was any decrease at all. 
The, in fact, Lee no. Brown, who became the drug czar as New York police commissioner, said these people from Washington say there's a decrease in drug use, but no one on local law enforcement believes that. Later, when he became drug czar, he used <laughs> to say, well, these people in local law enforcement don't know what they're talking about, as Ed is yeah. basically saying okay. now. Now, but, but no, the no, point is, when Len Bias died of a cocaine uh, reaction and a number of other people died, that had an impact on middle-class drug use. There's no doubt there that the reports indicated less taking of cocaine. You have to remember that these were self-administered reports. Now, no, part no, of the not. thing is the decrease, the decrease uh, it's no longer cool to use coke, so people right. might have still been using it, but didn't answer truthfully on, this is an empirical research difficulty and questionnaires. No, let, the other thing is research, the arrest, the arrest uh, levels when the government started testing, uh, and don't forget this too is a questionable uh, area of methodology, uh, people arrested who volunteer uh, get drug tests, and those levels have been kind of steadily increasing despite what the government does. Well, let me ask, but there is a 10-year study, and that's the one. All right, that's just about enough on statistics. Marijuana is made legal as of noon tomorrow. Drug use is made legal as of noon tomorrow. What happens to crime? Crime goes up. No, crime would decrease no. enormously okay. because... No. First McNamara. No. We McNamara made, program, you can in 1994, uh, law enforcement made 1,300,000 arrests for drug crimes in the United States. One million of those crimes were for possession. 300,000 were for sales. Now, as Ed indicated, the sellers aren't people from uh, the Cali cartel or the big shots. They're slobs. I want to tell one short story. Sure. When I was a cop in Harlem one day, my partner and I arrested a drug addict. And he said, officer, let me go. I'll give you a pusher. And he talked to one man after the other. And the third conversation went into the hallway. We arrested the pusher and so on. But it's a very significant uh, illustration. First place, it was humiliating. Here we were in uniform in a marked police car. And a few feet away, people were dealing in drugs. We would not have known what was happening if we hadn't made this agreement. Then uh, the other point you have to remember about these drug crimes is that they're consensual. Millions of crimes like that occur every day that the police have no way of knowing about because yeah. the two parties are consensual and they do it in secret. Now other crimes that we call wrong in themselves, as Ed would say, mala and say, uh, the legal term, robbery, rape, and so on, there there's a victim who comes forward to the police and says, look, arrest this person. They've, they've done something wrong to me. With drug crimes, you don't have that, and so you have uh, this tremendously uh, hidden uh, drug market from the police. For the police to penetrate, a whole series of unethical things occur. For example, I think it was unethical in a way in what we did. We let someone go for a crime because they enticed someone else Which to commit a more Harlem. serious crime. Right. Okay. right, and that goes on every day in the but drug you say war. crime goes down because we stopped calling Dr all kinds of drugs, things. Of crime. Course. Yeah. A million, on, well, maybe a million a less arrests a year. What has never been, t been expressed to me uh, and I assume Joe would not advocate uh, that, that kids under the age of 18 would be allowed to freely buy drugs any more than they are alcohol today. One of the things, let's, let's is get that right? Answer on that. Uh, of course not. All right. Uh, they're not allowed so to buy What you are doing, well, let me, let me make not a point. To what, buy you are doing, what you are doing, what you are doing is you are creating a specific area where <clears> the people, the gangs and the others that are involved in the sale of drugs are now going to concentrate on the black market that is still a black market, and that is the kids. Right now, most people are not turned on to drugs by the pusher who lurks around schoolyards. Most people are turned on to drugs by so-called friends of theirs who are using. 
And what you would now have is these same people are going <coughs> to go after this youth group, the under 18 group. We have enough problems with alcohol as far as the people under 18. Now we're going to have people under 18, which will be the sole target of the black marketeers. Beyond that, we haven't really learned how you're going to sell these, these drugs. Are you going to have drug stores, so to speak, in which drugs are freely sold? Is the government going to run these things? Are they going to be sold by, by uh, entrepreneurs? How is this whole system going to go? Because you have, a very you have a very different substance now than alcohol. You have something that is different in kind. There is no, alcohol can be used responsibly. I can take a drink. Even Joe can take a drink and handle it responsibly. <laughs> you are Irish. <laughs> you can take a drink and handle it responsibly without getting drunk. The only purpose of using illicit drugs is to get stoned. So what? Why does that offend you if the person doesn't do anything else? Well, because you see, because you go back to the religious motivation. No, no, it's not religious. It's not religious. It's a public health motivation. It's a public health motivation. The health costs increase. The crack babies increase. The accidents increase on the job. The productivity is lost on the job. There's an economic and health and social aspect to this which the people who want to legalize, like Joe, just simply ignore. I think in the minds of the public, if you're talking about legal... Economic, legal, and social aspects? Okay, but if we legalize drugs, what happens to the addicts? I think in the minds of the public, if you're talking about legalizing drugs, even a step or two, as you would advocate, there are at, at least two big questions. One is, what happens to crime? You say it goes down, Ed says it goes up. Here's the next question. What happens to the number of addicts? It's legalized, so you don't get the attraction of forbidden fruits. On the other hand, as we all agree, the very point of legalization, one of the points is to drop the price. And if something's less expensive, people buy more of it, right or not? Don't we get more addicts? No, because you wouldn't have this market to try and sell it. If you, if you control the way in which these drugs are distributed and you take away the profit, you're not going to necessarily get more. Many of the people in the 60s got into marijuana because it was illegal. This is what motivated them, and we have to face the fact that we don't really know. A coming of age but, for a lot of people is to do things that are naughty. But let, far let me more just people, finish far, the, far more people didn't get in because it was illegal. A lot, an awful lot of kids. But, but they the point said of that the it reason is they didn't use that these when their people were, who did, did get into it are today's bankers, lawyers, cops, uh, politicians, and so on. Yeah, and you know and, why they and don't? And the ones that were unlucky enough to get caught under this harsh, and the penalties were damn harsh for it, those people, sure, they became part of the criminal underclass uh, that he's talking about because one thing we know, once people start identifying themselves as criminals, they're going to go into a life of crime. And that's what we have to balance the harm we do by giving someone a criminal record for smoking pot, let's say, uh, compared to the harm that might occur to society because more people smoke pot. The polls show that 80% of the public is opposed to legalization of drugs. How do you handle that? Ninety percent of the public in a Gallup poll, this is a government publication that tells me this, it is, uh, uh, is against locking up drug users as part of the solution. Ninety percent in a Gallup poll of, well, of what are 1990. Laws for? What's now, wrong with making well, a value Well, John judgment? Stuart Mill, in his right. famous essay on liberty, which was discussing prohibition, uh, said that the government has no right to interfere with a citizen's behavior if that behavior is harming 
uh, no one else. And do we want to live in a country, do you want your kids to grow in a, up in a country where the cops are going to stop them on the corner, shake down the vehicle, lie about it in court, where the mandatory sentences are putting people in jail 5, 10, 25 years to life, where the government is seizing cars and businesses and homes uh, all on that basis. It comes down to whether or not we accept the fact that our citizens are mature, except for children, uh, we'll let them uh, make a reasonable decision of what's harmful for their health. We had a reduction in alcohol consumption, uh, smoking, and um, consumption of high cholesterol foods, not because we had a government criminal law uh, war against these substances, but because we educated the public this stuff is bad for your health. So that means what's wrong with that view? The reason why 80% of the public does not believe in the legalization of drugs is because it is a public health problem. There are all kinds of health consequences which the whole society has to bear, including crack babies and things like that. It is a social problem because there is more crime that comes out of it and more degradation of society because of it. And it is an economic problem. Just the, the, the gains in productivity and the uh, decrease in accidents in those businesses that adopted a drug-free workplace during the 1980s was tremendous as far as a plus in terms of the economic factor. The year is 2006, 10 years from today. In how many states has the McNamara program been enacted? In how many states is marijuana legal? You may choose from zero to 50, Joe. Well, I hope, in, uh, I hope in, in 50. The present policies have not eliminated crack babies, violence, uh, drug use, nor will they. They cannot. And sooner or later, this country has to wake up and realize that we created this nightmare. If we keep doing what we're doing, uh, drug use won't be any better 10 years, 20 years from now, but the violence will be worse. That means 10 years from now, how far will the legalization movement have gone? Now? 10 years from now, there will be no states that will make marijuana legal. And if we have another strat comprehensive strategy, for, uh, which includes prevention education, we will have less drug use then than we have now. Ed Meese, Joe McNamara, thank you very much. Ha, 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 ha.